What's up, mortals? This is Austin Myths and Monsters, here to learn you a thing or two. In this episode, I'll be telling the story that led to the birth of the, Maya, the hero twins from Mayan mythology, Hanapu and Zabalanke. The names are difficult to translate into English. Hanapu roughly means one blowgun hunter, while Zabalanke roughly translates to something like young hidden jaguar son, the big dick assassin. I wonder if the parents had a favorite. The hero twins have several divine traits, such as being super strong and skilled and clever. They can do magic, they can talk to animals, and they get most of their they get out of most of their situations by being tricky. A little family history. Zmukane, the grandmother of light, is one of the deities that helped with the creation of the world. She had two sons named one Hanapu, who ends up being the hero twin's father, and seven Hanapu, who is their uncle. Now, if Hanapu means one blowgun hunter, then one Hanapu means one one blowgun hunter, and seven Hanapu means seven one blowgun hunters. So like I said, the translations aren't exact, and if they are, well, those are stupid names. So before the hero twins are born, one Hanapu actually already had twins, one bats and one Chowan, which translates to one monkey and one artisan. Again, a clear favorite. These, t- these twins were talented musicians and writers and craftsmen. Basically, they were big nerds. One Hanapu and seven Hanapu like to spend their days playing the sacred ball game Pits, which I'm just going to assume is exactly like the game they play in the movie The Road to El Dorado. They play it with the armadillo. The two like to play, and they play with one Hanapu's sons, who are talented themselves. The court where they play is right over the road to Zabalba, the Mayan underworld. Now, whenever they play the game, the stomping of the feet and thumping of the balls makes a shit ton of noise. The Mayan lords of the underworld, one death and seven death, are like, this is bullshit. If you ever lived in an apartment building, you know that loud upstairs neighbors are the fucking worst. Like, you're a 60-year-old man. How are the only shoes you own either high heels or made of cinder blocks? In order to make a plan to take down their noisy neighbors, the lords of Zabalba summon the demons and judges of Zabalba. Now, I'm going to go through their names in English and explain a little of what they do. So, flying scab and gathered blood poison people's blood. Pus demon causes pus. Jaundice demon causes jaundice. Bone staff and skull staff both have staffs made of bone but they make people waste away to said bones that they then turn into more staffs. Trash demon is actually the opposite of what he sounds. He attacks people who don't clear the trash from their homes or sweep their threshold or generally keeps their homes tidy. He's the real hero. Then there's my favorite, Stab Demon, who is a demon that stabs. The last two are Wing and Packstrap, who go after people that travel roads and carry heavy burdens. And then they make them die by vomiting blood because they're the fucking worst. Leave travelers alone. So basically, they needed this whole legion of doom to think up the plan to invite the two brothers down to the underworld to play the game with them. And they would bet all their equipment in the game and somehow make them never want to play again. So they sent messenger owls like in Harry fucking Potter to invite one Hanapu and seven Hanapu down to the underworld. The two brothers were like, cool, let's go. But their mother started crying, talking about how she would never see her sons again if they went. You know, because Zababa has beings named Stab Demon. Like maybe these aren't the most reputable people to be playing a game with. But they're like, nah, I'm sure it'll be fine. We're going. We love this game. So off they went on their journey. They took a giant staircase down into a great canyon, had to cross rivers made of pus and blood and scorpions. There is nothing in this world that is tempting enough to make me cross a river of fucking scorpions. 
Aphrodite could be bent over on the other other side, promising butt stuff, and I'd still be like, nah, fuck that noise. After crossing the horrible rivers, the two brothers came to a place where four roads meet. A white road, a yellow road, a red road, and a black road. They're lost, they've never been to Zababa, and they don't know what road to take. Eventually they hear a whisper coming from the ground. I'm the black road, take me. Which is a pretty clear indication that they should definitely not take that road. Don't talk on walking roads. It's le- literally never worked out for anyone. They have no fear of, taking, of talking roads, and they already crossed the river of scorpions, so they follow it to the chamber of the lords of Zababa. They call out greetings to the two seated figures who don't respond. Then they start to hear laughing coming from inside the halls and realize that the two figures were just wooden statues. Lords of Zababa are dying of laughter at their super awesome prank. They apologize to their guests and tell them they must be very tired from their long journey. They will play the game tomorrow, so please just take a seat. One Hanapu and seven Hanapu sit down, but they instantly jump back up. The bench was made of red-hot stone that burned their asses. Again, the lords of Zababa are laughing hysterically, tears running down their cheeks, trying to catch their breath. They're like, no, really, this time we're actually sorry. Please spend the night. We can show you to your room. So there are many houses in Zababa for them to stay in, but each has a different trial within because this place is a fucking nightmare. So there's the House of Darkness that's totally dark, the House of Ice that has a freezing wind continually blowing through, the House of Jaguars, which is just fucking full of jaguars, the House of Bats, which is full of bats, and the House of Knives, Stab Demon's favorite house, which is full of knives that slide back and forth forever, making a perpetual stabbing machine. Who are these houses for? So the lords decide the brothers should stay in the House of Darkness, probably because it's the only one that isn't actively trying to kill you. They don't give them a they give them a torch and some cigars to help them through the night, but they were like, look, these things don't belong to you, so you have to give them back in the morning exactly as they are, which makes them entirely useless. Don't burn the things that are designed to be burned. Imagine someone handed you a butt plug and was like, whatever you do, don't stick this up your butt. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with it? That's literally what it's made for. So one Hanapu and seven Hanapu are like, fuck that. It's dark in this house of darkness. So they light the torch and burn the cigars. Come morning, the Lords of Death come to get them from the game and ask for their stuff back. The brothers are like, yeah, we burnt them in the night. The Lord's like, how dare you? We told you to give them back. You destroyed our property. So now we're going to kill you. That's a totally reasonable explanation. We could, who could have seen it coming that the Lords of Death were going to try and kill them eventually? Oh, wait, their mom that literally warned them of exactly that before they left. So they kill seven Hanapu and bury his body. Then they cut off one Hanapu's head, bury his body, and hang his head in a tree. The tree instantly bears fruit. The first time it's ever bore fruit. And the head changes to look like one of the fruit so that no one can tell fruit from head. This is how the calabash tree began to bear fruit and why the fruit looks like a human head, which no, it fucking doesn't. That's like saying anything round looks like a human head. But the Zababans are wary of the power of one Hanapu's severed head. They make a law that no one could pick the fruit or even take shelter under its shade. In comes Lady Blood, daughter of gathered blood, obviously. She heard her father tell his tale about how they cut off one Hanapu's head and hung it in the calabash tree, and suddenly fruit sprouted from its branches, and it was so awesome, and they did some great pranks. 
Lady Blood becomes obsessed with trying this fruit. She's like, come on, we're demons, and this is decapitated head fruit. It's a crime that we're not eating it. Her father warned her of the laws against going near the tree. She gave no fucks. So she wandered to the tree and was talking to herself like, yeah, I'm going to get that sweet, sweet head fruit. She hears a voice call out to her from the tree. Why would you desire a skull placed in branches? That's not something normal people pine over. She replies that she doesn't care. She wants it all the same. So the voice is like, okay, perfect. Just stick your hand into the branches where I can see it. She reaches up and one Hanapu's head spits on her hand. She draws it back to find nothing there. And when Hanapu tells her, now you're super pregno with, prego with my child. Good luck. Lady Blood returns home. About six months later, she really, she's like really starting to show. And her father becomes suspicious. Gathered Blood goes before the lords of Zababa, complaining that his daughter has lain with a man and now carries his child. The lords tell him to go and ask her what happened. And if she lies, we'll sacrifice her. And everyone agrees that this is a totally reasonable plan of action. So when Gathered Blood asks his daughter who she's been boinking, she replies that she's never even lain with a man. And he's like, oh, I see. Well, it's not the Immaculate Conception. That's a different religion. So you must be just a common whore. Now, I'm not sure where all this fairly sexist shaming is coming from. You probably have to understand some parts of Mayan culture or something, which I don't, but I'm going to continue anyway. Gathered Blood summons the Owls of Zabalba to carry away his daughter and sacrifice her. He then orders them to bring her heart back in a bowl. They grab her in their talons along with a knife and bowl and fly away to the place of sacrifice. Lady Blood is trying to convince the Owls not to kill her. She's like, look, this isn't my fault. Yes, I'm pregnant. No, I didn't get pregnant the fun way. That stupid head of Wanhanapu spit on me and now I'm carrying his child. The Owls are like, no, we don't want to sacrifice you anyway but we do need to bring something back in the bowl. What do you think we should do? She tells them to cut open a croton tree and drain the sap. It will look like blood, and if they clump all the sap together, it will look enough like a heart. The owls do this, and they fly all the way back to the Lords of Zabalba. They present the faux heart to one death, and he reaches his hand in and plays with the sap with his fingers. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, as a god of death, I totally know what blood looks like and feels like, and this here is definitely it. Make a fire so we can burn it. The owls gather wood and start a fire, and one death drops the sap into it. A sweet smell erupts from the flames, and all of the lords of Zabalba are like, Yep, the sweet smell of sacrifice. That's what all burning hearts smell like, of course. We all know that. Lady Blood, now free from her father's slut-shaming wrath, runs off to find Zumakane, one Hanapu's mother. She goes to her house and tries to explain her story. Zumakane is not buying it. She's like, there's no way my two sons went to the underworld, didn't come back, and sent their pregnant girlfriend to live with me. This is definitely bullshit. Lady Blood is like, please, the babies inside me are one Hanapu's. So Makane thinks, that, thinks it over and is like, all right, here, I'll have you prove it. And since DNA tests aren't invented yet, take this net and fill it with maize. That'll prove what you say is true somehow. So Lady Blood took the net and walked to the maize field. Although the stalks were all growing well, she could only find a single ear of corn. And she's like, how the hell am I supposed to fill the net with a single ear? So she sings to the goddess of the maize field, the yellow lady, to help her in her struggles. And Lady Blood takes a hold of the corn silk and pulls gently without disturbing the single ear. Multiple ears start falling from the stalk and they multiply in the net till the entire net is full and the single ear just looks to be untouched. Lady Blood is happy, but she can't carry the huge sack 
the whole way by herself. Fear not, because a bunch of animals show up for no good reason to carry it for her. They go most of the way back to Zmakane's house, but give Lady Blood the net, so it looks like she did it all on her own. The old woman can't believe that she has such a full net. She thinks it's definitely a trick. She goes down to the field herself and sees the indentations in the ground from where the, net w- the full net was sitting. Finally, she comes back and was like, well, that proves it. You are definitely pregnant with my grandchildren. So when it came time to give birth, Lady Blood went into the mountains. She named her children Hanapu and Zabalanke, which again mean one blowgun hunter and awesome sh- sun jaguar, the big dicked wonder. Lady Blood journeyed down from the mountain with her twins to live in the home of Zmukane, but the twins did not shut the fuck up. Cry and cry and cry and cry, until their grandmother was like, you have to get them the fuck out. No one can sleep. Lady Blood took her kids and put them in an anthill, where they promptly fall asleep. Another time the twins were wailing, their older brothers, one monkey and one artisan, tossed them in a thorn bush, where they also promptly fell asleep. And so the twins did not grow up in their grandmother's house, but out and about in nature. And they had great destinies set out before them and took part in many heroic deeds, such as tricking their grandmother, turning their older brothers into monkey, monkeys, and murdering an entire family. I have an episode about that called The Hero Twins Murder an Entire Family. It's super entertaining because I'm so good at this. Well, that's all for this episode. If you enjoyed, please like and subscribe. Maybe tell a friend, share the magic that is my stupid voice, and leave a comment about what kind of nightmare house you would include in your underworld. The house of heavyweight boxers that exclusively punch you in the nuts. The house of butt-seeking dildos. The house of oiled-up Italian men.